Okay, so there's the physical, there's the etheric, and there's the astral. So three different bodies. And all three of these come together to create the consciousness that we experience as we go throughout our day and as we dream and travel around in the dream realm at night. As I was mentioning earlier, I really think that this point of being able to come into awareness of yourself very much is the key to unlocking the blockages that we have in life in general. And a lot of the the dysfunctions that we may feel in our life, realize that that's not what you are. That's not who you are. And you can rewire those patterns. You can repattern yourself. And in that repatterning, you can learn how to get back that original inspiration that is your true nature. And you can wire yourself to be in alignment with that true expression. That's Patrick Hayes. And this is episode 347 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually, because if you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. What's up, everyone? It's Josh Trent, and tell me what is good, what is good, what is good in your world today. I know the world is a crazy place right now, but today there is always something good. We are talking on the podcast today about the energy of good, not just the kind of energy that makes you run up a mountain or lift weights or deal with screaming children. Today, we're talking about the three energetic bodies, these energy bodies from an absolute wizard a famous person from YouTube, a man who I was able to meet in my journeys in Sedona and somebody who has made a huge impact in my life. He's a musician, a teacher, a coach, a guide. Really, he's a new earth pioneer. He specializes in personal development and addiction counseling. And he loves creating new and innovative ways to help people awaken their greatest potential and unify to create a harmonious earth. And how much do we need that right now? Harmony, unity, togetherness, these are not just buzzwords. It's emotional for me. I mean, I feel the emotion in my body as I look at our world right now and look on social media. I mean, we need each other now more than ever. I don't know if you're listening to this live or you're listening to this months later, years later. This is a universal truth, a message of energy and connection that is important now more than ever and always will be as our sovereign right as humans and our duty to humanity. And that is to be there for one another, to actually be there for one another. But we cannot be there for anyone else unless we first understand who we are so we can love and be there for ourselves. That's why today's show is so powerful and important as we face very uncertain times. Learning from my friend, the one and only Patrick Hayes. We're going to explore from Patrick how to learn to trust ourselves again, the actual mechanism of this, the psychology around trust. We're going to look through this lens of the energetic bodies. The three energy bodies are astral, etheric, and physical. We'll talk about what happened for Patrick in 2008 and 09 that changed the course of his life forever. We'll explore healing generational pain, a really cool conversation and exploration uh, with Patrick that we also talked about with Mark Wolin on the show. But Patrick is going to show us how to heal the past triggers and get to the root of why these triggers exist in the first place. We'll talk about growth coming at the point of resistance and how to alchemize 
our energetic bodies. We'll talk about these energy bodies in detail, the astral, the physical, the etheric, and how they shape and color the fabric of life. By understanding these three energy bodies, the astral, the etheric, and the physical, you're going to leave this podcast with a treasure chest of awareness and intelligence. And how can you transcend your nervousness? How can you transcend depression? Fill in the blank, whatever you're currently experiencing right now. The more you know yourself, the more you can love yourself, then you can love other people. And that is what is needed now and will be needed forever as long as human beings walk the earth. Do me a favor, share this podcast. If you like the episode, if you love Patrick, reach out to him on YouTube, Patrick Hayes. You can go to patrickhayes.com. And we had such a huge response to last episode with James Sol Rodina about the Safe Vape Cannabidiol and the Breathe program. I went ahead and gave 10 more coupons, 10 more 75% off coupons. Those went away like overnight. If you listened to last week's episode and you didn't pick up the 75% off coupon for the Breathe, I added 10 more. These will probably be gone in less than a day. This is for our Breathe Breath and Wellness Program, the 21-day guided breath and wellness program using ancient wisdom to boost immunity, calm the mind, and really give you freedom from the chronic stress in our modern world. How much do we need breathing now more than ever? I created this program after three years of deep intensive study going to Thailand and Costa Rica and Sedona, training with some of the most famous breathwork practitioners in the world. And this program is for you if you've been dealing with anxiety because we're giving people calmer minds and more immunity through this ancient practice of pranayama combined with the safe vape, the, the CBD, the cannabidiol. This is what is very, very powerful about this program. And if you've been curious about breath work and you trust me with your time, I want to give you this radical gift of a $200 program for less than 30 bucks. Head over to breathwork.io. Use the code tribe to get 75% off at checkout over at breathwork.io. Use the code tribe because you're tribe. Now, let's get into this master of all things spirituality, personal development, and really just a brother, a phenomenal human being, the one and only Patrick Hayes. The world's in like this crazy place right now. You know, probably the most crazy, at least in our lifetimes, that we'll ever see. And um, what are you doing to stay centered right now? You know, let's just like, let's just go right there, bro. Like, what are you doing to stay right. centered right now? Yeah. Well, I think the, the overarching philosophy that 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 came to me, the way to put it into words recently, was that, I mean, there's so many different narratives going on outside of us. There's so many different, like, you know, and it seems like everybody's looking to the outside to get a sense of what's happening to then determine how to respond to it. And for me, it was so chaotic that I was like, you know, what it came to me is like, when you can't trust anything outside of you, you can't trust the narratives outside of you, you have to be able to trust yourself. And so for me, it was like, well, what is that place of being that, that kind of right relationship with myself that when I get into that space, there's just a yes throughout my whole body. And to me, what that is, is getting into the kind of space that I get into from different meditative practices or, um, or just breathing deep or watching the sunset, these kinds of things. And the way that I feel is that when I'm in that space, then I make the best sense of my external reality. So instead of trying to look to my external reality to tell me how to feel, it was like, I'm going to feel right first and then use that to make sense of my external reality. So it's been meditation. It's been sunsets. It's been getting into nature as, as much yeah. as I possibly can. Yeah. And um, exercise has been really big. 
you know, keeping my diet clean, making sure I'm having enough herbs and getting all of my, um, you know, my minerals and whatnot and, um, and getting enough vitamin D. I think it's really important to get out in the sun. Taking care of yourself, taking loving care of yourself. And this is something where, gosh, man, the ultimate journey took me out to Sedona, right? From my current partner, you know, my, my love, Carrie Michelle. And and that's why I came out there through a mutual friend. I got to interview Anahata for a podcast and do some breath work. And then I met her out there. And then that's what actually drew me back out to live in Sedona. Most people don't know this. Like I lived out there for three months. And what was so amazing was that one of the things I got to do was hang out with you. You know, we got to go on hikes and we got to have conversations. And I think what the world needs most right now is exactly what you and I do on the regular, you know, which is, hey, can we cut all the BS and like stop talking about the weather and actually explore what is consciousness and what we're doing here on the planet? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. what I've really enjoyed to about getting to know you. But but what are you focused on right now? Like with all that you're seeing in the media and are you just focused on creating for the people that follow you or is there anything else that's like very top of consciousness for you? Like what's, what's top of consciousness for you in this current moment? Hmm. Well, there's a lot, you know, first, before I get into that, I want to say that like, I feel the same thing for you too. It was, it was beautiful because it was like, you know, we didn't know each other, but it was within, I don't know, a few back and forths that we dropped right into what was real and what was really there, what was really important, what's really going on with us. And that's something I really appreciate about people. And so right off the bat, I knew Thanks, like, this is a brother for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, um, right now I think that there, there's a few different things that are up. Um, one thing that I'm focused on is I just started a, a group called anchoring in the light and it's a group there. There's, it's a relatively small group. We got like 25 of us and we're meeting on weekly calls and just being like a support group for each other going through this time. You know, this is an interesting time where it's, it's bringing everybody together in a strange way. Like I always thought that if something happened, people were brought together by a big event, it would be more in person. Yeah. But, um, but now it's like bringing people together, um, via the internet. And, um, so I felt the inspiration to reach out to people that were feeling like they were looking for uh, a community to anchor in healthy sense-making skills, um, healthy balancing skills, like how to process craziness in the world and just have a good support group of people that have relationships like you and I do, where we can just talk to each other and hang out, but then also be real about what's really going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. And so I've been focused a lot on that recently. I have to interrupt you because what, what I felt in my chest when you're explaining that was, it's so great to have friends. It's even better to have a friend who's really able to cut through the bullshit in life. And, and, and that's what, that's what I feel with you is like, there is this element right now in the world of people dealing with a lot of bullshit. Like there's lots of narratives going on. And I've even called you personally, like, multiple times just about my growth in relationship, about my growth in uh, consciousness. And and this is really cool, like bringing you on a podcast and, and showcasing your work because what you're creating right now actually is what the world needs. People throw around that word like, oh, this is what the world needs right now. But no, they actually do. Um, have you already started to see the ripple effect of trauma come back to you and, and people really need that connection? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I like how I would imagine you probably are in your life have been the person that 
very commonly, um, our friends or family members, when they're going through something, they don't know how to process it, or they're kind of lost, or they're trying to make sense of things, want to come to, want to kind of like strip it down to what's really real so they can see, you know, what they're looking at and how to, you know, weave through whatever situation they're going through. I'm the one that they call up. I'm the one that they hit up. And I'm sure it's probably similar with you too. And so this has been a situation where, um, you know, it's, it's been a good opportunity to, um, to when people are feeling lost, when you can give them a kind of, um, a kind of solace in the fact that, that like you're feeling good and you're feeling optimistic and they're like, okay, I trust your opinion because you always have, you know, good opinions about stuff, but I don't understand exactly how you're holding up that way. So now I'm more interested in what you're doing and how you're perceiving things because obviously you're not kind of turned over in the same way a lot of other people are turned over from all these events. So yeah, I've been seeing people um, reach out to me for different reasons. Um, I had some people that reached out to do like, you know, some positive, uh, like positive words for the world video that they were doing, you know, so I did a a little blurb for that. And, um, I put out this little thing saying that I'm doing the, you know, a little gathering every week so we can talk and kind of process stuff. And a bunch of different people that have been following me have hit me up because, um, you know, I think that they can just feel that like when we come together and, um, and, and I'm able to share in real time for what's going on for them in their real time life, that there's a lot of fruit that comes from that. What would you say that you actually do? It's hard to put you in a capsule. Like, I don't even know if that's possible, dude, like esoterics, um, self-help, maybe relationships. Um, you also have a music background. You teach people how to be right. present, how to be grounded. Like you cover a lot of ground, man. You cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Like, you know, for somebody just tuning in, just really connecting to, to who you are right now, what is it that you actually do here in the world? Right. So, um, yeah, I am a bit of a generalist in, in, in ways, and it's been difficult for me to put terminology to what I do. One of the things that I keep coming back to one of the kind of, um, one of the terms I keep coming back to is this term of esoteric psychology. And I really like that because that kind of permeates everything I do. So whether it's my music, whether it's my relationship counseling, whether it's my just one-on-one coaching mentorship, all kind of caps in this esoteric psychology. And what I mean by esoteric psychology is um, it's very psychological, uh, rational, analytical, uh, break down a lot of different um, things that could be associated directly with the psychological world. But I bring an element of esoteric science to it that um, that to me makes it alive. It, like, yeah. it brings life into it and it makes it so much more interesting to me. One of the things I love on your site is you call yourself a transformational ally, which I'm like, yep. When I read that, I'm thinking, yes, this is exactly what he does because so many people right now, they're just starting Patrick. They're like putting their toe in the swimming pool of consciousness, of spiritual growth, of understanding who they are. You know, there's so much more than this like bag of flesh, um, transformational ally. You're not a coach though, or are you? Well, you know, I don't particularly like the term coach yeah. because it reminds me of like my PE teacher in high school. <laughs> so, so I, I use the term mentor. I, that's the one I like mentor. So yeah. mentorship, but you know, I, you know, these terms are somewhat loose. So you could think of it as, as a coach and some of my clients even loosely will say like, Oh, this is my coach. But you know, I use the term mentor. Um, but yeah, so I guess you could say, yes, I coach. 2009, I think, um, was when you started like your awakening process, right? Like 11 years ago, basically. Is that where it all began? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I've had some, um, I've, I've had some key experiences when I was younger where it was like, I tuned in, in these key moments at certain times, but then forgot it all afterwards and didn't remember it until like, I kind of really stepped into it later. But yeah, 2009 was major transformative year for me for sure. And like from that point forward, my life has, has continued to change regularly in a transformative way. Sometimes when I've talked to you, I remember we were hiking, I would get like full body energy shoots and I don't necessarily experience that with many people. Um, but there's something that you got, like, it's obvious, man, you're plugged into something. And I think it is source it's source consciousness. So for people that don't know what happened in 2009, what, what was it like, what actually turned the leaf over inside of you that made you walk the path to where you are now? Like, what was it then? Well, 2009 was a year when, um, I decided to really follow my heart as, as, as far as my relationships go with humans in general. And in 2008, I was surrounded by a lot of people that were in a particular paradigm that was quite, um, dominative, dominative and restrictive. Yeah. And two, in 2009 was when I made the decision, you know what? I found this other kind of group of people that were extremely artistic, more of like the, you could say like the, transformational festival kind of scene. And I found these people that like, I could feel their heart. They were being creative. They were expressing themselves. They were, you know, being outward. And I just went full into that. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said goodbye to this other lifestyle that was still kind of caught up in a lot of, you would say like mainstream, um, thought patterns and, and, and moral systems. And I just went completely into this other realm. And there was, um, plant medicines were a big part of that. And that was probably, you know, I had done some earlier on and had some profound uh, effects in my life. But when I was reintroduced to this new group of people, this is in the Ocean Beach area, actually, of San Diego. Yeah. Right near where you're from. Sure. When I, when I was introduced uh, to these people again, you know, that was a part of the lifestyle and the scene there. And uh, so I partook and it blasted me back open in so many different ways that it was like there was no going back. And I know you've had that kind of experience also with the, with the plant medicines. It's like yeah. sometimes when you walk through that door, literally they're like the door behind you disappeared. There is no going shut. back. And, yeah. and I'm, I've turned around too. And I've been like, man, I guess I'm not going back there anymore. <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess there's no going back. And there's a part of me, I think that if I had to do it all over again, I would have chosen this path anyways, but there's my ego and there's a structure and we can get into the ego for sure. Cause you've walked me through mine on multiple phone calls. But there is a structure of my ego that's like, huh, I wonder what it would have been like if I never would have began to wake myself up to the truth, wake myself to the truth that pornography is not a good thing for me, wake myself up to the truth that drugs or alcohol or all these things in excess are not a good thing for me. And mine was in my early 30s. I'm going to say two to three years before I even started this podcast. So my, my mission and my whole vision with Wellness Force is to authentically share, you know, authentically share like what I'm going through. What does it mean to live our life well? How do we gather the right information? How do we apply it? And then, and then most importantly, man, which makes me get chills when you and I go on a hike, how do we embody it? Because we all know like when we're with somebody and they embody a certain type of intelligence or a certain type of energy, it can't be faked. 
So there's a process that you have took yourself through to, to embody whatever it is you got. I'm still trying to figure out what you got. I think it is source consciousness. I think it's just maybe a finely I'm, attuned soul. I'm trying soul. to figure it out myself too. Man. <laughs> but there is something that, you know, uh, whether you call yourself a coach, a guide, um, a transformational ally, it's obvious through your YouTube channel and just meeting you in person and just seeing the type of work that you're doing online people really trust you and it's because of this embodiment. So what do you think it is, man? Like what's been the recipe for your embodiment and and what do you think that embodiment actually is? Yeah. So I could explain that on several levels. So you could say like embodiment from one perspective, and this would be more of like a mainstream perspective is when, uh, when theory turns into practice. So when you take something from like the mental realm where like I understand it, but then you can actually apply it. So it's the difference between being able to be a basketball coach that tells somebody basketball theory versus being Kobe and actually being able to play. Yep. Right. But when I think about it in terms of development as like a human soul, like in from a more esoteric perspective, embodiment to me is literally the activation of your subtle spiritual bodies and physical body like the true activation. So in a sense, if you think of um, your heart as being like the circulatory system of your physical body, that you have energetic circulatory systems in your subtler bodies that can be activated. And until they're activated, then you're not fully embodied because the higher esoteric wisdom that you might be philosophizing about isn't actually active and running like those, those, those rivers aren't running through your energetic structure. So embodiment to me very much is the practice of, um, of doing different practices that actually turn on your energetic body ecosystem. Mm, The energetic body. So for people that don't know the energetic body, what, what do you mean by that? Is it just the fact that we are in a vessel that holds us or what is the energetic body to you? So, one of the best ways of explaining that I think is, um, is in looking in nature. So if you look at a rock, you can tell that there's something different between the nature of a rock and a plant. So a plant has uh, more of a life to it than a rock does. Like a plant is like a plant is breathing. It's like, um, you know, it has this like emanation of life force inside of it where a rock doesn't. And the difference between a rock and a plant is that a plant has an etheric body and a rock does not. Now, humans have etheric bodies also. And when a human is asleep, they're very much like a plant. They're still alive, but they don't have this animating form of consciousness that is kind of moving them around. Because that because their astral body is actually traveling in the astral realm. So a human has several bodies. It has an astral body and an etheric body and mm. a physical body. Where a rock has a physical body, a plant has a physical body and an etheric body, but it doesn't have an astral body, and a human has all three. Okay, so let's let's I, pause the tape there. Can you go back to that again? So the, the three that matter for us and how that relates to a rock and a plant, because a lot of people are already like, whoa, Patrick, wow, that's a lot. Right, right. So, um, so what exactly is the question? So what are the three again so we know how those relate to us as humans? Okay, so there's the physical there's yep. the etheric and there's the astral. Yep. So three different bodies. And here's a good way of also understanding it is, is in Chinese medicine, we have the 12 meridians, right? Everybody's yeah. probably familiar with that, right? 
So the 12 meridians are in your physical body, right? Now in um, now everybody on this show, probably this listening is probably familiar with the seven chakras, right? Yes. Is that something that you think people oh, are yeah. familiar with? Absolutely. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so the seven chakras are, that is your etheric body. And anybody that is familiar with uh, Qigong and the three Dantians, these are energy grail points in your astral body. So these are different points on that exist there. We, you can call them grail points, but they're kind of like energy centers that exist that interpenetrate kind of, you could think your physical body, but then also our, our core centers on these different, say less dense body systems. So we have a physical body, yeah. the etheric body and the astral body. And all three of these come together to create the consciousness that we experience as we go throughout our day. And as we dream and travel around in the dream realm at night. Man, there's so much more than meets the eye to us as human beings, like the physical, the etheric and the astral. It's funny, like you were, you were one of the first people that actually opened up my awareness that there are multiple realities. And when I'm feeling something, it might not always be mine. When I was out there in Sedona, I did a podcast with Mark Wolin and he talked about past lives and something that I know you've done a lot of videos on and that I so think is needed here is just an explanation of the fact that we are in one reality, Patrick, like this is one reality. It doesn't mean that it's the only reality. Like what else do you sense is out there? Oh man. Well, that's a big question. I like to do, I like to do big questions <laughs> cause I love your answers. You know, uh, I think there's infinity out there. To be honest, it's, uh-huh. I think it's endless. It's endless. But um, I could talk more about what I feel like maybe butts right up against to the, the reality that we live in here. Yeah. So I think a good science metaphor is the idea that you know, we have the light spectrum that's visible. And then we have you know, infrared and gamma and radio waves and all these different um, levels that exist outside of the visible spectrum. And so it's very much like the idea that the five senses that we have are the senses that we can um, perceive with. But in order to perceive in different realms, you would need to develop sense organs in different realms. And this is part of like the embodiment that I'm talking about, right? So, you know, a psychic um, or somebody that, uh, that can have certain esoteric visions is somebody that has activated a certain sense organ in a different realm. So you could just imagine like, you know, if uh, there's an animal that has no eyes, it can't see the physical realm. So it doesn't know that light exists, even though that light very much does exist. But if that animal could learn how to give itself eyes, then it could see light. And it's very much the same process for humans too to be able to see into higher dimensions. So my personal experience, as far as things that exist outside of this physical realm, is I think the, in the easiest thing I think is probably most digestible for most people is the idea of the astral plane or the astral realm. And this in esoteric knowledge is considered like the first spiritual plane. And this is the realm that you go to when you are asleep and your astral body leaves your physical body. And um, it's less dense than this realm. So it's more permeable and more um, influential, like you can influence it more easily with your consciousness. Um, And you can, there's different set of laws in that realm too. So you can travel vast distances very quickly. You could walk through walls and do sorts of, all sorts of different things that you couldn't do necessarily in the physical world due to the the kind of physics that exists there. It's almost like a lucid um, dreaming state in a way. 
Right. So this is where you would be when you were lucid dreaming, right? Yeah. In a lucid, lucid dream versus astral projection, you could think of that as kind of like a multiplayer versus single player game. Yep. Makes where sense. a lucid dream is kind of like your own single player and a multiplayer game is uh, when you're in the astral plane, it's like you're interfacing with like the, the inner pen- penetrated template that other beings have access to also. Mm. And the other beings is something that I felt not just with plant medicine, but also breath work. And even one of the phone calls you and I had just a couple of weeks ago was there was this like childhood wound and there is still this childhood wound that I'm healing and it's around my anxious attachment style. And there is something that we've explored in the show with many, many guests, you know, whether it's um, Stephen Kessler with the five personality traits or whether with it's Mark and, and past life regression, um, there is something that I feel that I know a lot of other people feel. And that is sometimes as a grown man myself or as a grown woman, whoever is watching or listening, there are certain things that come through me that I can tell aren't really me. Like I'll have certain thoughts that aren't mine or I'll have certain things that I'm saying out of my mouth. And I'm like, okay, this is for me to actually become aware of because I'm healing past generational sins and past generational pain. Where am I accessing that from? Like which one of these, the physical, the etheric and the astral, like where is that coming from? So when you're, when you're having, um, uh, So when you're processing something else, so basically, yeah, yeah, there can be like, you could think of it as clouds of charge that build up in your energy fields regarding different things. But also you can think of it as like, um, you know, there are different beings that exist in different dimensions. So it's, it's like in, you know, if you didn't have your physical body, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have an astral body. So you could still exist in the astral realm. And that's why you might be able to run into certain, you know, uh, personalities in the astral realm um, that are very much aware and conscious. And this is, you know, the whole, uh, understanding behind like what ghosts are and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on, um, when you're talking about, um, like when you're processing something that's not you, because I guess it could come from many different sources. One, it could just be, um, you could say like a distorted geometry that is embedded itself into your energy field due to trauma as a young child, or it could be, um, and, and one way that that may come about is that if you have, um, a parent that has an unintegrated aspect of their shadow that is sitting inside their astral field and then even in their etheric field and then which could even manifest as some sort of ailment in their physical body too. Yeah. If that's going on in their field and you're as a child kind of learning how to um, learning how to be on a subconscious level by taking the lead that your parent is leading then you can inherit that same dysfunction within yourself. So it's not you necessarily, but you're inheriting a dysfunction that your parents probably even inherited from their parents or their parents or, you know, however far back it goes. Yes. Because, you know, you go far enough back on in any lineage and there's been tremendous uh, uh, trauma that people have had to experience. So, I mean, if, if the parent hadn't had some kind of way of, of working through that, then inherently in their field, the child that is around them is going to inherit certain aspects of that, especially if they have some sort of trigger that can activate that kind of a similar kind of trauma too, which can make it very, very real inside of them in their lives. Do you think that in your experience you've seen with clients or maybe shoot even with yourself that people attract partners so that they can correct the misalignment in their field? I think that that is one of the key, um, the key beautiful things about relationships is that it's, it, it requires a certain level of intimacy to be in a deep relationship for a long period of time that you can't, 
you can't just show your best side to that person. You, yeah. you can't get away with, you know, pretending that you don't have this stuff going on. It's going to bring it to the surface. Yeah. And so we're blessed to have relationships in our life where, um, where, where there's somebody else there that's willing to, to, to look at our flaws and, and love us through them, you know, and we can do that with them also. Yeah. The, the dots that were connected for me is that you were in, I think a seven plus year relationship that, um, for people that probably already know that if they've been on YouTube, Bridget Nielsen was, you're in a relationship for seven plus years, right? It was almost seven years, almost seven years. And so in those seven years, I mean, I can't even imagine the kind of growth and really beauty that came from that. But what I want to just shout out to you right now and for the entire community is when you go to, um, Patrick Hayes live on YouTube, there is a video that he and his um, previous partner put out and it was done so beautifully and so much respect, so much reverence. I've, I have not seen a conscious uncoupling or, you know, essentially a breakup video done ever like that before. Like the way that you guys were able to navigate really one of the most painful experiences that most people go through was just a testament to the work you've done. You know, mm. that, that relationship, like what did you learn the most? from that relationship? What did you garner the oh, most man. from, from her? If I was to put that into one thing, um, maybe it's many, so many different things. You know, one thing I really learned from Bridget is, uh, is how to let go of a lot of things and, and have more fun. She's really great at that being able to, you know, I came from a, like an interesting past and, um, and I used to worry a lot more when, um, when we first got together, she's helped me to let go a lot and to, um, and to just go for things, you know, it's been really cool. She, um, her and her father have had a bit inf- big influence on me in that way. They're both, um, there's like, just like free souls, you know, there was like something beautiful about how she was raised and, and, um, and her father has done so much of his own personal work to create a space like that for her to grow into the person that she was Yeah, that to be part of that family, it was like, it almost felt in a lot of ways where, um, I, I adopted a father that the father that I never had. Yeah. And, and like the sister that I never had, like in a different way with Bridget, you know what I mean? She was like, cause beyond our romantic relationship, we've always, you know, we had a deep romance when we were together. There was always this kind of like soul family kind of vibe thing. Like there's a kinship, you know, and it's funny, a lot of people would see us and they'd be like, you guys look like brother and sister. And it's like, yeah. you know, and even now, I mean, we're broken up, but she's still my best friend. You know, mm-hmm. I'm actually at her house right now doing this recording. So it's like, um, you know, so much has came from that, you know, as, and then as far as like interpersonal stuff, it showed me a lot about where, at what points I go unconscious and, and kind of like flip into a trance state that is a, um, that is a, uh, a result of, of being a trauma being triggered yeah. in me. And I think that this is probably actually common for most people. Like if you use relationship for this benefit that, um, that you start to realize that there are certain things that when someone says something a certain way or you, or you experience something from a certain angle, it, like a switch goes off and all of a sudden now you're processing this, um, these kind of like automatic thought responses and emotion responses. And you're kind of acting from this like sub, uh, sub awake space. Yeah. And so in being able to, you know, have her as, as somebody that was there, um, that could see me doing that. And they could respond to me doing that and vice versa. We would do this for each other. We could, when one of us could stand and hold space while the other person was moving into a trance, it kind of like, 
it's it's like you can feel all the eyes turn on you and you're like, oh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. What am I doing right here? I totally just went unconscious. Yes. Oh, wow. Now I'm aware of that. Oh, man. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that, that relationships can do really well. You know what? Let me let me grab a um, I got to grab my charger really quick. Yeah, go for it. Total sleep breakthrough in 2020. I've been using cured full spectrum hemp oil. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not for getting high. We know this. It is non-psychoactive. It has no THC. It has 100% terpene-rich, cannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, organically-grown hemp oil. What does this actually do to the body? The reason I love this is because it down-regulates the sympathetic nervous system. If you look at the research on PubMed and everywhere else, although the FDA does not allow anyone to make bold claims, this I can speak from a personal perspective. I take this organically grown Colorado hemp in the evenings. I hold it under my tongue for 60 seconds. I back this up with my data from the Aura Ring. My deep sleep increases, my restlessness goes away, and I just sleep better. We know that whether you're having digestive issues or joint pains or sleep issues, the most important thing for your recovery is your sleep. So if you've been struggling with sleep, Give Cured Full Spectrum Organically Grown Hemp a test drive. You get 15% off because you're here with us in the Wellness Force mission. It is wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Enter code wellnessforce at checkout. You get 15% off your organically grown hemp. If you've been looking for a hemp product that has been tested and vetted, give Cured a test drive at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured. Use the code wellnessforce to get 15% off your entire order. So while Patrick is gone, I'm just going to riff here. One interesting thing that I felt in my own relationship is when do I actually go unconscious? And I found that when I go unconscious, uh, what happens is, is the young man inside starts driving and we all have it. Like there's a young man, there's a young lady. And what happens is, is without the process of doing the work, like the real process of doing the work, I have found that. Uh, if my meditation is off, if my movement is off, if I'm eating unhealthy foods, if I'm not connecting with spirit, if I'm not just taking care of myself, if I'm not, if I'm not actually being the human being full of self-love that I actually am, uh, that's when I go off the rails. And so this is what Patrick is talking about is, you know, conscious relationship is the ultimate crucible for growth. I experience it all the time. And I actually think that's part of the beauty. And one of the things that I have been feeling lately in this whole unconscious thing that you mentioned is when I go unconscious, I freeze. It's almost like a deer in the headlights. And I'll speak from a masculine perspective from, you know, cause I'm a man in a man's body, but I know it's the same for all humans. We, when we get to that triggered place, um, when we're in that state of paralysis, like, oh my gosh, there's a trigger that's flared up. <gasps> there's usually a lack of breath. What are the key principles? What are the key practices when we're in that inflection point to soften us, to relax us, to get us more conscious and not be coming from an unconscious place of anger and fear and constriction? Like, what does that look like for most people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when the way I kind of describe when we're saying responding or, or responding would be the right word, reacting from yeah. within a triggered space. It's like, ah, <laughs> right. Get away it's, from it. It's, what it, what it very much is like, is like, it's like we're being puppeted by a, a negative emotional force is yeah. what it feels like. It's like, you're, it's like, you're literally being puppeted by this other force and you're, you know, responding in a way that you wouldn't choose to respond if you had control. So I think the first thing is, is starting to notice what 
kinds of things tend to trigger you. And then kind of getting to the, the bottom of the underlying wound behind whatever it is that's triggering you. Yeah. So that's the first thing. So then you can kind of be aware and you can even give yourself kind of like a, a forewarning. Like if you're walking into an environment where there's a high trigger probability because you know the things that trigger you, then you can kind of be more on watch. And so then what happens is that you can pay attention to the signs. And this has so much to do with your body awareness because your body is telling you everything. And this is one of the major things that happens is that when you get triggered, it's almost that like the emotional outbursts or the, the rants that you go on in your head or like the things that you'll say when you're triggered are in a sense uh, an attempt to avoid feeling the pain that you're feeling in your physical body, which is like that locking that you feel. Yes. And so while the locking is locking you, um, it's it, it, in trying to escape from it, you start projecting the pain out onto other things and making it this fault or that fault or getting angry or justifying what all this is where, where it can be a lot more powerful though, is to, when you feel that come up to bring your awareness directly to your body and not let it penetrate into your mind. Because what happens is once an emotion, a negative emotion or a trigger penetrates into your mind, then you start generating thought that is of the same nature as that emotion, which then perpetuates more of that emotion and creates this cyclical like thought to emotion spiral. It starts spinning you out. Mm -hmm. So what I found is that when I start to feel my body going into a, a locking state from a trigger, that the best thing I can do is bring my consciousness directly back into my body. And actually what I'll do is I'll use my mind to narrate what's happening physiologically, like in my, in, in the senses of my body so that I have a, a job for my mind. So my mind doesn't run away with trying to blame this person or, you know, come up with this story or you know, go through whatever cycles that it goes through. So the idea is to be really aware of the body and you can feel when the dominoes start tipping, you usually feel like a tightness in your solar plexus or in this band, like right underneath your floating ribs right there as it tightens up a lot. you like, like heat, I'll feel like heat in my forehead, in my hands when I start getting triggered and these kinds of things. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling that. And so then I'll narrate that. Oh, okay. I'm feeling heat in my forehead, in my hands. <laughs> I'm feeling a knot yeah. in my, in my, and you know, and just be there with it, not try to get rid of it, but just be there with it. And then I notice that when I'm there with it and I'm just kind of like going along with it and experiencing it and then ideally starting to bring a little bit of, of like self mentorship into the process in other words, like, okay, I'm feeling tightness in my stomach, but it's okay. I'm here and I'm breathing through this. I'm feeling the heat in my head and it's okay. And I can breathe deeply, you know, and kind of coach myself through it in the moment and use my mind for that process that lets the energy move through as opposed to locking it and then blaming it on something else and, um, and, and not processing the energy properly. Mark my words, we're going to take that three minutes of gold that you just did, and we're going to create a separate video of that. And the title is going to be how to be with your trigger. Because right. man, I think so many of us, we want to like identify the trigger and then get rid of it. Well, meanwhile, the trigger is a teacher. I mean, the trigger is coming up to show us something, to give us yeah. something. And, um, 
has there been something that you've recognized? Cause like, you know, this is not Josh's therapy session, although it seems like it sometimes because that's the show, right? I'm, I'm sharing what I'm learning. And then, you know, my hope and my, and my desire, my burn is that it reaches somebody else who's going through a lesson that I'm going through. Cause it's all of us, y'all. We're all going through the same universal lessons and different degrees of consciousness. But for yourself, man, like how have you seen a, a large trigger come up on a regular basis, maybe currently or in your past that you worked through and how did you work through it? Because this is why people come to you because they want right. to work through something like this is what you do. Right. Right. Well, so I, I used to have a, a major insecurity of be, of not being listened to and not heard. And, um, and so that, so a big thing for me that I remember was really big was that if I was speaking to somebody and they, just turn their head away, especially when I was saying something I was passionate about. They turn their head away, stop paying attention and started doing some other thing. It, it would, it would strike this wound inside me as a child that I had from a child of like, like my parents not listening to me or me having something that was really important to say and feel like no one was there to receive me for that. And so I remember that, um, you know, I don't know, quite a few years ago, um, probably like, you know, nine or 10 years ago, this was like a big thing. It was like I was really working really hard to learn how to articulate myself so that I could express some of these things that I experienced that I knew had value but were hard to bring into words. Yeah. And so I would be really passionate about these things that I was saying. And, you know, due to whatever was going on, sometimes like right in that, you know, it's almost like like the world was showing me my shadow and it would sometimes time things perfectly. Somebody would turn so their like cheek right and you'd be like triggered. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in What's a way, yeah, so, well, it would be like, I, I'm really getting into something and someone's like, oh, hey, and start talking about something else or then, and then like not even pay attention to what That still saying. bothers me, man. It bothers me. it's still me, kind yeah. of annoying, right? Yeah, it's annoying. But, um, but, but, but that used to, it used to like make me sink when that happened. Mm. And, um, you know, so, so part of it, so there's, there's different levels to work on it, right? So what I just gave in that last explanation was what to do kind of like physiologically with your body in the moment because that's how you framed the question. Yeah. So the other layer of how to work on it too is understanding what your triggers are and where they're coming from and then reprocessing and reframing them in your off time. And when you were saying it's like you want to know what the trigger is and get rid of it, it's like, yes, you do, but that's, it's not the time to do that like right in the middle of the trigger. Yeah. It's the time to observe what's going on with your body. And then you can think about it later on and kind of get to the underlying causes on your own. So in kind of uncovering what the underlying cause was and my, you know, lack of, uh, of healthy attention that I got as a child and all these different things, I came to realize and, and that, you know, this was an overreaction to the situation. And when somebody turns their head away, they're doing it because of themselves. You know, they're not doing it because they, don't want to hear what I'm saying necessarily. Yeah. Maybe they are. And even if they are, well, that's fine too. They're allowed to do that. You know, and if I know what I'm doing, you know, it's, if I know what I have has value for me, then that's all that really matters. So with that understanding, I can reframe the situation. And then with a healthy contemplation on that reframe over a, a period of time, I was able to, um, and combined with in the moment triggering coming into my body and just being aware of it instead of going into this, um, I'm not good enough kind of scenario in my head. Yeah. Then what I was able to do is that with that consciousness that I had developed of being able to stay present in my body with that mentor voice that I was talking about earlier, I can say to myself, okay, you're feeling a tightness in your chest and it's okay. 
this person is distracted because they're distracted uh, because this thing came up or shiny squirrel, them, shiny whatever squirrel. it is, yeah. they saw this thing. And that has not, it doesn't reflect on you or anything that you're saying. And you can trust and know that what you're saying is valid and powerful to you. And that's good enough. And that feels good. And so I could go through that process. And after going through that enough times, it becomes your response to it as opposed to something you have to work to create. Man, so much gold there. Like I think about the book that you turned me on to, um, The Art of Learning. And um, mm. Josh Waitzkin, right, was the author? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you actually, I, I saw on your Instagram a few weeks ago, you'd posted this. You said growth comes at the point of resistance. We learn by pushing ourselves and finding what really lies at the outer reaches of our abilities. The point of resistance for, for all of us, either in relationship with another person or in learning how to better love and be in relationship with ourselves is the resistance. Like there is something about this resistance, man. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it almost seems like syrupy sweet. It's, it's like a tail of a octopus wrapping me around and pulling me down into this place that seems so <laughs> familiar. And the resistance comes when I am angry at being pulled down rather than when I'm curious about why I'm being pulled down. Mm -hmm. Can you riff on that? Like, mm -hmm. is curiosity a tool set that you use in your coaching? Like, how do we embody, truly embody curiosity when we're in the trigger space, when we're in that resistance space? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Well, when you, when you talk about that, what that reminds me of and how I use it, um, it, it's very applicable to exactly what you were talking about, but how I traditionally, traditionally is a funny word, how I typically, um, talk about that is in, um, in our judgment for other people is that replacing condemnation with interest is really, really a powerful practice. Hmm. And, um, but this works for yourself also, right? And a lot of the triggers that we have come from judgments that we have for ourselves, right? And we don't want to feel the judgment that we're feeling for ourselves, because it's like condemnation for yourself is like poisoning yourself. It feels terrible. So when you're feeling that you want to blame something else or get mad at another situation or come up with an excuse for why it's not your fault or whatever it is. And so when you're in that triggered space, space being interested at what's going on brings the clarity to be able to help solve the problem. But this also in an interpersonal way is magic for being able to overcome judgments, not only for other people, but for yourself too, because the less you judge other people, the less you judge yourself. And so then the process is instead of becoming angry at somebody else or condemning them or judging them for doing something that is, you know, might be right out inappropriate or wrong yeah. or even disgusting. Right. Yeah. But instead of judging that, because that judgment is an energy that is still poisonous, even to you just for feeling it. You know, it's not going to enlighten you. It's not going to better your life yeah. to, to feel that vibration. But with a compassionate interest that I wonder what traumas this person has gone through that brought them to this place. I wonder what it was about their upbringing that made them so oblivious to the actions that they're taking right now. That kind of, of interest or curiosity, as you say, that kind of interest or curiosity brings you into a whole different um, emotional bandwidth that makes available for you all kinds of powerful wisdom that, that you wouldn't be available otherwise. Mm. And the more that you can understand somebody else deeply and the struggles that they've been through, not only 
the better will your life be because you're not going to be getting triggered by seeing other people. Yeah. But the more valuable you're going to be to people like that and the more you're going to be able to help them because you're going to have been able to go and figure out what's actually going on underneath and then glean the wisdom from that understanding and then use that to serve people and yourself in the future. One of the things I've bonded with you on many times is our affinity for Alan Watts and the way that he is able to articulate ideas. And and sometimes when you speak, man, I almost feel like you're downloading a little bit from Alan Watts. Like it's really cool ah. to, to, to witness it because, you know, he's no longer here, but yet his wisdom carries on. And when you were speaking, I was just imagining what Alan Watts said, where he said, nature hates a vacuum, you know, nature hates a vacuum. So when there is an energy or a dark matter of I'm judging this person, how dare they do this? What the hell is wrong with them? It's creating a vacuum. So if I can, on the other side of the vacuum say, "Mm, I'm having a hard time dealing with this. This is making my solar plexus tight. Okay. Why is that making my solar plexus tight? All of this, this introspection and curiosity comes from a choice. It comes from somebody fucking deciding to take it the other way. So how do you do this with clients and how do you do this with yourself to decide in that moment? Like, all right, you know what? I'm going to choose curiosity. I'm going to be the antidote to judgment, right. which is compassion. Like, how do you take yourself there? Right. Yeah. Well, in my experience, I think that um, education is the key to making good decisions. And what I mean by that is, like awareness is alchemical. And what I've found is that if you can create the proper awareness around something where people realize what they're actually doing, then they, they start to self-correct once they see what's going on. Yeah. Where people continue down negative patterns is usually when they, they can't see what they're doing. And even if they can see what they're doing on some level, there's usually this shadow aspect that, that they don't understand about themselves. And how they're modulating their emotions and their consciousness that they're not aware of that is keeping them tethered to the kind of negative behavior. So the choice to do it really isn't possible until there's an awareness there of like, oh, this is actually what I'm doing. And now I see that when I respond this way, it has this negative result. And the process of how I'm responding this way is that when I get triggered, this is, you know, how my body reacts and I go directly into this, you know, kind of trance state and whatever it is. When you can look at that whole and observe that whole situation and be aware of it and trace it consciously, mm. then then you're you develop awareness. And then that awareness naturally, like any human in any situation, you know, you could give you could give somebody a million dollars, they have all this money, but then two weeks later, they'll be able to find some other problem that they can improve in their life. You can set someone in any place and eventually they'll look around and say like, oh, I could move this here and make it better and make my reality better by doing this. But you have to have enough of, under, of an understanding of what you're looking at to be able to see where the, where the gaps are and where you can fill in the gaps and improve things. So it really just comes back to the education and the awareness. And, um, and then at that point, then, um, then the solutions start to arise. All right, you guys, I just got the chills again. This is the same thing that happened when we were on that hike, man. And I think when we get chills, it's just our body, our physical body connecting with another energetic body that something is true. Because I'll never forget this, man. I was at the Heaven House with Paul Check two years ago, and he said, you know, our body's 90% water. And so when we speak the truth to someone else or when we hear the truth uh, within ourselves, all the water in our body activates, because mm. it's connecting with the body that we live in. So it's our like body AS, that we live in. ASMR effect. Exactly. So so that's yeah. what I feel from you. What you just said right now, this ability to pause 
and be curious and go within. Like this is exactly what you're doing in your programs. I know you have this meditation guide for, for energy body cultivation. It's an esoteric uh, meditation guide, right? Esoteric meditation. Yes. Yeah. Is that part of the tool set that allows people to get down in there so they can catch themselves before they haul off with the trigger and say something from fear? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in, in, in this particular, um, uh, package or this course that I'm, that I put together is, um, one of the practices in it is finding the still point in between your thoughts and your emotions. So there's a very, you know, precise posture and, you know, whole practice that you go through in order to get into the space. But one of the things that it offers us is the ability to experience the experience of not thinking and not feeling emotions so that you can start to observe your thoughts and emotions clearly enough to understand the nature of them and how they move you, which when you develop that power, it is extremely profound because then at that point, you can start feeling into the nature of a thought or an emotion before it fully crystallizes and starts moving you around and then choose whether this is something that is something you want to manifest and animate. You're stuck in the vortex at that point. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and so, yes, that, that's a big part of it, you know, is, is, um, is, is getting to the, to, to the silent point to be able to observe yourself. How do you become more aware of what you're doing? What tools and can, and techniques can we use to observe ourselves from the correct perspective to give us the insights that are necessary for us to self-correct. And this is why mindful meditation in general has been through, you know, throughout the ages so powerful because it's simply just saying, how do you become quiet enough to perceive what's actually going on? How do you become mindful of what's actually happening? You know, and this is how a child learns, you know, before a child is developed in their, um, in their, their higher mind and can think more, um, analytically about things. How they learn is not by analyzing things. It's just by watching things until the patterns make sense. They just make sense eventually. Absolutely. Right. But they're not like evaluating, okay, wait, so he used this and this, and maybe this is why it's working or that. They're not thinking like that. You're just watching something until all of a sudden it just makes sense. And while it's really powerful to be able to analyze and use these different skills, oftentimes we get in our own way because we try to project our idea of what we think things are on top of the reality, as opposed to just sitting there and watching it until the pattern makes sense. And so part of the, the, you know, the mindful meditation and part of the practice that I teach is how to get back into that space where you can just watch yourself subjectively until you can see those patterns and then they just make sense. And then once that awareness becomes available to you, then that is the alchemical initiation. It's like the alchemy starts to, you just start to naturally correct yourself once you realize what the dysfunction is within you. Mm. I love this word alchemical and you're one of the few people that I hear use it. How do you, how do you see that applying in modern day life? Like when you say alchemical, what, what two things are you connecting? When you say two things, or maybe there's more, you know, the definition of alchemical and how that relates to us here. What is alchemical? So, so I feel like life in general is an alchemical process. And by alchemical, I mean, one way of saying that, that I feel is like maybe a little bit less, um, magical feeling. It doesn't have as much of the umph is transformational. Got it. Right. Is yeah. that like an alchemization is transformation, but it's, um, but, but alchemical has this essence of like, it is divine. 
you know, in a way that maybe transformation doesn't carry that same kind of like, like pack to the, of, of a punch to the word. Yeah. And so alchemical, you know, is in ancient alchemy was, uh, transforming base metal into gold. And a lot of the esoteric practices is, is energy body alchemy. So some of the things that I teach and some of the things that some really high man, I'm not a master. I'll be clear about that. But some of the things that a lot of the, the different masters of the ages teach is how to alchemize your energy bodies and your consciousness. And this is done by, you know, first becoming aware, bringing presence and awareness to what's going on. And that awareness um, has a purity to it that starts the alchemical process in and of itself, just being aware of what's going on. And so alchemy is very much connected to um, the transformation that we can do psychologically, emotionally, physically, um, on all yeah. levels of consciousness, there's a certain level of alchemy going on. And this, this life, this world is like an alchemical cauldron. Yeah. There are all these different pressures. You were talking about relationships. There are all these different catalysts that are coming through all the time that are very much acting like a kind of, um, like an initiation of sorts where it's like, it's putting a, a certain chemical near another chemical that's causing a catalytic reaction. And the process that you go through when you're being triggered by different things and like learning how to be aware of it is this alchemical process where it's like you're taking all of that energy and you're literally transmuting it into wisdom, awareness, presence, yes. strength, beauty, all these different things. And that's the beauty of being here in this world is that we're able to you know, have this experience that gives us the capacity to grow as a soul. It makes me think of the book from Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist, his journey, you know, the, the shepherd and everything he went through to get to the treasure. And we communicate so much in this world by logistical figures. And this is why I think your work is so popular. This is why you're becoming more and more known is like the esoteric world and the world of story and of myth, whether you follow Joseph Campbell or not. We all resonate with stories, man. You know, if you were to go to the, one of the old shamans, one of the questions that they would ask you for millennia would be, when did you stop telling stories? If somebody right. was sick, they would ask them, when did you stop dancing? When did you stop telling stories? When did you stop on, um, not honoring the mystery of life? When did you stop, right. you know, sitting around a fire and spending time with other people? There's a core aspect to us being here on the planet that we're sharing. And that is, can we sit with our men and can we sit with our women and can we tell stories? Like, what is the story aspect that you plug into your work? Do you use story and metaphor in your esoteric courses and your programs? Like how does that work for you and, and your students really? Absolutely. Yeah. I think story is key because without a story, without a story of what a human is and what their purpose is on the planet, then how can there be any purpose to life? And I think this is part of the issue that um, that we've ran into with the with the high levels of nihilism in the world is because science has come out um, with the the kind of narrative that is uh, and this is more mainstream traditional science that I'm talking about here that um, that reduces the story of what humanity is to facts in um, that, that that are empirically measured. Yeah. And, and then tries to wrap a story around that. That's the funny thing is like, you know, they would say scientifically, you're not supposed to put a story on anything. You're supposed to just observe the facts. 
But still, I think it's impossible for a creature to observe anything and not create some sort of story to it. it, it That's how we reconcile meaning. meaning. <laughs> That's it's how we reconcile gives, meaning. Yeah. It's what meaning is. So, yeah. you know, whether the scientist is, is, you know, regardless of how they're interpreting it, they're interpreting it to fit into some story of what they think the world is, whether yeah. the story they're telling themselves is that there is no story and there's just facts, you know, well, that's still a story they're telling themselves. Yeah. You know, Oof. so, so I think that the, um, that, that story, um, the, the, the thing, this is something that religion, that, that one of the positive aspects of religion has had on the consciousness of humanity. And there's a lot of negative things that have come with religion also, but you know, in ancient times and even till quite recently, um, the primary story that people, um, followed was a, a religious kind of story. Um, a story that told them what a human being was on this earth plane and what their purpose is. And, um, and it gave meaning and a set of morality and like a code of ethics to humanity. And what has happened with, um, with the scientific, uh, world is that since the story now that has emerged surrounding reductionist scientism, and I call it scientism because it's like a weird religion in its own right. Sure. Is is um, we're a mistake on a spinning rock in the middle of the no nowhere. Like some amino acids got together, and then all of a sudden, like this, we just like mutated into these like you know beings. And your consciousness is inside your brain. There's nothing beyond that. And when you die, it's all over. So of course, then the 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 collective narrative is going to be get give me all the resources. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give There's, you know, morality is going to be out the window because nothing else matters. And then people fall into this depression of nihilism because like, what's the point of life? There is no meaning to life. Yes. And so, so story is absolutely important. And, um, and, and I don't think necessarily, um, that there's one particular story that is say right or wrong, but rather it's, it's because I think this thing is so much more vast than one articulation that there's not a way of, of crystallizing it into one way of saying it that's going to be universal. Yeah. But I think that the universal principle is the principle that delivers well-being, empowerment, beauty, and upliftment. Like I think that, the, that these are the qualities to look for, the virtuous qualities that are a result of the story that people hold is what helps determine how true that story is. There's such a powerful book that I read five years ago, six years ago, Start With Why, Simon Sinek. And he was like, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So that right there mm -hmm. just shatters all science. Nobody cares about a widget. They care about why the person selling the widget cares. And it right. activates and awakens that story and that belief and that meaning and that juice inside of them. Like people come to people now because of how they see that person showing up. So, you know, somebody might watch one of your amazing videos on YouTube or they might hear you on Wellness Force or they, they feel something from you. What exactly is that? You know, like this is why I love jam with you, man, because we get really, really esoteric and deep on certain things. But there is something of a truth resonance, like our tribe attracts certain levels of truth, like your vibe attracts your tribe. So mm -hmm. what do you think it is about you that's attracting people to you now based on a couple of years ago? Like you've gone through one hell of an evolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, there's probably a few different things. One of the things I hear really commonly from people is that um, I help to to organize um, their experiences 
in a way that they can understand them better. Um, so it's like if you've had an experience before, but you haven't really, you know, grokked it cognitively yet, then when somebody explains it to you, there's this like level of relief and like appreciation. You're like, oh yeah, now I get it at this different level. It's like you knew it on some level, yeah. but you didn't quite understand it in an intellectual way. So I can help people with that um, in understanding different things. I've spent a lot of time kind of picking myself apart and figuring out how to bring these things into words. Um, you know, but I think the other part of it is that it's it's just, you know, people that have a genuine passion to be the best person that they could be, to go out into the world and make it a better place, to speak authentically from the center of who they are. That it's like a like like attracts like, like you're saying, tribe attracts tribe. Yeah. And so I feel like the people that are genuine can feel that in me also, and they appreciate that. And um and you know, and it's funny to think like all the different things. I mean, you're talking about attracting different partners due to uh, I don't know if you use the word karmic, but that's how I was thinking of it. It definitely attracts is other karmic. partners yeah. for car for karmic um, you know, resolution in some way. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of that also. It's like different people can 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 be the voice for the same truth, but they can color it in a certain way that speaks to different people um, that it, that doesn't speak to other people, you know? And so, you know, the way that I color it, I attract certain people that feel like, you know, it speaks more directly to, to their experience of reality. And, um, you know, and I think that anybody that actually truly follows their divine inspiration, like their true passion is going to produce things and create things in the world that other people are going to love and be attracted to. And that's what inspires them. It's like the divine orchestration of when you feel inspiration within yourself, that force that is causing you to feel inspired, that you're feeling embodied with inspiration from, that force is also aware of all those other people that would benefit from it. And that's why it's this kind of like, like psychic co-creation that's going on. And so when you don't follow your inspiration, if you're sitting, you know, if you're ignoring your inspiration, you're actually, you're prohibiting the rest of the population from the gifts that they could benefit from. It's like you hold a medicine yeah. that heals a certain aspect of the world's suffering. And if you don't follow your inspiration and put that medicine out there, then that demographic or those people will continue to suffer. Oh, and it's not about shaming people. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here with Patrick and be like, it's a, it's a disservice if you don't share your gifts. I'm just tired of people saying that. Like, yes, it is a, disser a disservice if you don't share your gift and your soul knows it wants to share it. Yes, then that is a disservice. But it's not a blanket statement that every single human being on the earth is going to one day have a YouTube channel, have a podcast, create things online, serve a big community. Like that's not for everyone. But if you're getting something lit up inside yourself right now that it is for you, well, trust that it probably is, right? Like I'm sure you get a lot of people that come your way that are dealing with that back and forth. Should I go out? Should I speak my truth? Should I do my thing? Like, are you attracting these kind of people? Absolutely. You know, and when I say express yourself and to speak your truth, um, you know, some people speak or express their truth by doing art alone. Yeah. You know, some people following their passion has nothing to do with being a public figure whatsoever. Exactly. It could be being the best mother in the world and taking care of your kids. It could be going and being a monk and meditating inside a cave and sending love out to the collective on a regular basis. It has nothing to do with 
with with being a public person. Now you and I are in the public realm, and and I and I you know a lot of people are like, yes, you have to get out, but it's not you know it's not a cookie cutter thing sure. where every person needs to be out there, you know, like on podcasts or doing YouTube channel or anything like that. But I do believe that it is. You could say it's, um, what's the right word? It's sad and it's, and it's almost, um, I can say it's like, it's disrespectful to creation. If you feel like a burning desire to do something, whatever it is, you'd be just go and live in the woods and fish out of the river. Like whatever it is, that thing that your soul is calling you to do for you not to do that, that, that is a disservice, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we clarified. Yeah. Cause I didn't want people to think that it was, you know, I'm telling everyone to go out and just be a, be a YouTube. For sure. And, and neither am I. Cause that, that came up with a, a podcast I did last week and it's like right now, you know, we're all in confinement essentially, like we're being confined and that's a whole nother podcast probably we could talk about is like why I actually believe that this virus is mother earth giving us a signal. But how do you see this immersive part of your work with people, you know, when they are kind of faced to look in the mirror right now, so many people, man, are, are being really forced to look in the mirror. How do you take somebody through that immersion? I know you have an immersion process that you take people through. So if, if somebody is feeling that call, like how would they go through that with you? What does that look like? When you say the call, you mean like a call to stepping into doing what they, they I mean, feel they want to do? I mean like the hero's journey calling them and maybe it's been ringing for like five years and they're like, okay, I'm going to pick it up one day. <laughs> I keep feeling this right. message come through. Right. Um, yeah. How do you take them through that? Right. Well, a lot of what, what blocks people oftentimes is the fact that um, at a young age, they had all sorts of inspirations. I mean, you never see a child that isn't inspired, Yeah, you know, that isn't in wonder of the world, you know, when they're young and they're running around and just like, you know, entranced and captivated by all the, you know, the things in this world. But then somewhere along the line, you know, people get cut off from that inspiration and that wonder. And so oftentimes how that happens is that um, we'll have inspirations as young children to do specific things, but we reach these impasses and the impasses have to do with, you know, either our, our, maybe our parents will tell us not to do that. And so then this thing that we were associated with as being really fun, whether it's like being loud and rambunctious, but every time we get animated and let that level of expression come out, we're getting yelled at. Yes. So that like the repetitive reprimandation um, creates a negative association with, with what once was an inspiration was like a, like a natural calling. And so you can think of like a parent's job is very much like, how do you help shape them so that they're not, um, completely disrespectful of convention and order, but that you don't put the spark out at the same time. Like they still have that inspiration. So oftentimes when I'm working with people, we work to uncover what some of these inspirations were before they got covered up by uh, uh, negative experiences that that discolored what it was that inspired them. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, may felt like, well, they wanted to be a dancer, but then they had a dance teacher that, you know, kind of ruined the experience for them. Yeah. So now when they think of dancing, they remember that trauma as opposed to remembering how alive it made them feel before they felt that trauma. So it's like trying to find where those threads are before it, they hit the impasse and blocked them and then reframing and giving themselves permission to start exploring it again from, you know, from a more of a clean slate and, and seeing what inspires them once they kind of get past some of those blocks that they had. 
Dude, now I get it. Now I understand why you're the ally, because this is way different than a typical coaching process. Like even that word coach, it does bring up like when I played football, like my coach would be like, dude, 50 more pushups. God damn it. Like the the aspect of coaching has uh, really metamorphosized into, I think, really just people wanting a guide, people wanting an ally, people wanting somebody they can trust that's been there before. And like, man, you've absolutely been there. Like we have to have you come back on the show to talk about the earlier portions of your life and how you pull from those. But for somebody that's like feeling the inspiration in this moment, where do they go? Like, how do they connect with you in this regard of transformation? I mean, this is like what the the earth really needs right now, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can, you can find me at patrickhays.com backslash sessions with Patrick and that's P-A-T-R-I-C-K. And then the haze is H-A-I-Z-E. So patrickhaze.com backslash sessions with Patrick. That's where I have all of my packages for my mentorship. You can also find me at YouTube at youtube.com backslash Patrick Hayes, H-A-I-Z-E live L-I-V-E. That's my YouTube channel. Um, you can look me up, Patrick Hayes, on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there too. And um, and if you keep your ears and eyes open, I will be putting up a course here really soon on meditation. And it might actually, by the time that this is released, it might be up. So if you go to my website under courses at patrickhayes.com, I'll have this meditation course that, um, that, that I explained earlier during the podcast. You know, speaking of meditation, the thing that I always love getting the answer for, sometimes I don't always get the answers I want, but the thing that I love getting the answer for is how do we define, how does Patrick define, how does Josh define, how does anyone with us define wellness? Like, how would you actually define the embodiment of wellness? And and for you, it's specific. So that's, that's the first thing is I'd love to ask you to answer that. And then afterwards, if you're willing, could you guide us through something where we can just drop in? And just get centered in this time of uh, confusion and people in their pain bodies. Um, so the first thing is, um, how would you define wellness? And the second thing, could you lead us through something where maybe somebody suffering right now could really connect with you and, and, and feel you? Yeah, absolutely. So wellness, how would I define wellness? Well, it's, it's one of these funny things because um, – Cause it's a subjective thing to a certain degree, but then it's also objective in the same sense that you can, you can see when someone's doing well, like it, it's obvious when someone is doing better. Right. And one could argue that, um, that if you're looking at it from a vibrational perspective, that wellness has something to do with, um, opening up your vibration. It's like a, it's like a freeness, a feeling of freeness, of freeing yourself less stuck you're more capable of being dynamic. You're more able to move freely. You're more able to let that inspiration that you feel inside of you move you without inhibitions to express yourself in the way that feels most right to you. I think wellness is having a good relationship with what you know to be right in the holistic sense of your being what feels right, what you know intellectually to be right, what you know emotionally to be right, what your body knows to be right, which translate is health, translates as health. And, um, and I think our relationship to the ability to express ourself from, uh, from a pure place, that 
is directly um, linked to our wellness, I would say, how well we are. I mean, that was just the hearing you talk about that was just like so calming to my nervous system because I don't care who you are. It's like if you really cut away all the noise and you just sit with where exactly you are in this moment, I think most of us know what feels right. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Absolutely. I think you can ask anybody if they've ever had the experience where there was a point, whether something happened or it didn't, you're just in some sort of situation in life where an option came up and you just knew that this was right. This was the right thing for you. It feels right on all levels. It's almost like it animates you to move forward directly into it with no resistance. And it was just, there was nothing more right about that moment. It's like a perfect moment. Yeah. You just know everything was right. Yeah. And everyone's had those experiences, you know? And so it's, it's tapping into, to, to how to engineer those experiences more consciously Mm. and how to, and how to let that natural flow just be a part of your rhythm. PatrickHayes.com is the website, PatrickHayes.com forward slash sessions with Patrick. Patrick is a great friend of mine. I, I really love you, bro. I love what you represent to the world. I, I, I honor the way that you allow people to express themselves. If anybody is dealing with depression or, or a lack of self-expression, which is really what I think depression is, um, reach out to Patrick, let him know that you heard him on wellness force and share this podcast with somebody that you care about because man, right now expression is our birthright. Like it always has been. And so if somebody is feeling that way, Patrick, can, can you guide us through something that you may be able to, to reach them with right now? You know, a meditation of sorts, or, um, maybe even just, uh, some words here just to say goodbye to the people that are feeling that, that way. They are feeling depressed. Or, um, or blocked. We're depressed, blocked, maybe in their own way. Um, people that just need some sort of sign people that are looking for a sign. Mm. Well, I think that as I was mentioning earlier, I really think that this point um, of being able to come into um, into awareness of yourself very much is the key to unlocking the blockages that we have in life in general. And, you know, a lot of the, the dysfunctions that we may feel in our life um, the troubles that we have, the negative emotional cycles, the negative mental patterns that we may have in our lives, realize that that's not what you are. That's not who you are. These are just patterns of behavior that are very much correlated to your, your neurological um, myelination of, of the neurons in your brain. So what happens is that people will develop negative habits and it'll wire a certain uh, pattern of thinking or behaving into their brain in the same way if you wire a dance move, then you do the move better and better until it's really easy to do. You wire thought patterns in your brain. But then what happens is, is if you wired unhealthy thought patterns in your brain, then you have all these experiences that are a reflection of those unhealthy thought patterns. You start to believe that you are 
the experience that you're having. You start to believe that you are these negative things that you've been thinking. But that's not what you are. What you are is that rightness that we were just talking about. And that's why it feels so right. That's why it feels so good. It's like if you put on a shoe that doesn't fit, it's not going to feel good because it doesn't fit you. Same thing with if you're feeling negative all the time. That's It's not you. And that's why it doesn't feel good. Hmm. It's just a pattern you've been stuck in. And you can rewire those patterns. You can repattern yourself. And in that repatterning, you can learn how to get back that original inspiration that is your true nature. And you can wire yourself to be in alignment with that true expression. So I think the biggest sticking point is people get stuck in this identity of this is who I am. But no, that's just the way you've designed your brain for the moment. And you can design it a different way. You can learn how to have a different experience. So it's not you. What is you is determined by that sense of knowing that this is right. That overwhelming sense of this is right. This feels correct. That is the indication of what you are. And when you feel that, you're moving closer towards it. Mic drop, patrickhayes.com. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Much love to you and your journey. And um, thank you for being here with all your presence. And it's just been a joy to to get to know you and be your friend. Uh, One of the coolest things that came from me going out to Sedona, I know you also have people that come out to visit you that you do work with. So make sure if you are inspired by this, that you go to patrickhayes.com. Patrick, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Thank you so much for having me, bro. Much love, man. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash m twenty one. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.